Well, folks, if you've started a business and maybe for the moment you're a very small one-man shop or you've got a couple of people working for you, but you're feeling kind of overwhelmed, you've probably heard people talking about what it means to have a virtual assistant. Well, today my guest is going to help us dive into that, and we got a lot more that we're going to pack into this show, so hang on. You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe, and you are listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. As we said in the the lead-in, we're going to talk a lot today about the notion of having a virtual assistant. If uh, you've started a business and you're feeling a little overwhelmed, you need a kind of a hired hand or second hand to help you out, you've probably read, seen, or heard about virtual assistance. Well, my guest today is an expert in that area, and we've actually got a lot more we're going to tease into and, and talk about to help you really get your business rocking. So my guest, his name is Jamie J. Jamie, Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm I'm pretty stoked to be here right now, Doug, uh, and talking about leadership powered by common sense. It's uh, what a great name. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Well, as as we say, we try to make things a little more simple. We we try to eliminate a lot of the chaos and the ambiguity and confusion that's out in the business world today, and break it into some good bite sized ideas that you can work with and we are going to get i love the name of your company he calls his company bottleneck and we're, we'll i'll let him give the backstory on that but even before we do that jamie just help everybody with a little background kind of how did you get to where you are and what did you decide you wanted to be when you grew up well thank you uh, again doug this is uh this is this is gonna be a, a lot of fun and hopefully a lot of good information for your listeners uh believe it or not you're, you're gonna laugh what I thought I would be when I grew up was a, was a businessman. And my dad, when I was younger, he was a businessman. And I remember driving down the 57 freeway in Irvine, California, as we made our way home to Huntington beach. And I looked up at the high rises and it was, it was about eight or nine at night. We were coming home and I saw the light up there in the top. And I remember looking out the side of the window and I could see the light in the corner office on. I said, that's going to be me one day. Little did I know what that really meant. That person was working late hours, doing all the, you know, <laughs> and it's so amazing. It came true. I worked in corporate America, got out of the military, uh, loved it. Absolutely loved the 82nd Airborne, loved jumping out of perfectly good airplanes. It was a lot of good fun. Uh, boy, when I got out, I, I uh, had a little bit of some struggles there, um, meaning getting into divorce and things like that. But uh, be, it, uh, hooked up with some of my old friends. Through them, I met someone else, got a little job as a waiter, and then went on and uh, entered uh, corporate America in 94. And it took me about 12 years, uh, 11 years to figure out I didn't really want to do that, <laughs> um, but I, I got out and started my own business in 2006, I think it was, and I've never looked back since, and uh, I'm proud to say that I'm unemployable now and, and just absolutely enjoying the journey, and I love what you said about um, breaking the complexity of business up into little bite-sized pieces, because I don't necessarily know how much common sense is in, in, in that for me. I'd love for you to kind of elaborate on that, but if, if, if you take a big thing of business 
I've never seen a business plan fail on paper, but I've seen plenty of them fail in real life. It's because they take on, in my opinion, all this stuff instead of breaking them down into bite-sized pieces. Maybe that's what you mean by the common sense, but I love that analogy. Yeah, it really is. And and to, to answer that, uh, I, I, the way I look at it is oftentimes some of the best leadership and management decisions you can make are good old-fashioned common sense. You just kind of connect the dots, A to B to C, and you go, boom, there it is. That's what we got to do. And you can, you can get overloaded. I mean, you can have, you know, your accountant or your lawyer or all these other people advising you, telling you, oh, you got to worry about this. You got to think about that and blah, 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 blah. Well, at the end of the day, if it's your business, you, you got to make that decision. And sometimes you got to strip a lot of that stuff away and just say, you know what? Okay. I understand this. I understand my risks. I know what the choice is, but here it is just boom, boom, boom. And it really can be that simple. And that's what I, I try to do. That's sort of my life mission. I want to help leaders do a lot more of, of making a little more simple. And you and I both share the Army experience. I didn't jump out of planes. I tried to fly um, birds that don't have fixed wings, but that's another story <laughs> for another day. Um, we, um, we, we learned that they are, you know, the Army was famous for keep it simple, stupid. You know, you, your, your statement of mission and purpose and direction had to be very clear, very sharp, very direct. So uh, it's a throwback to that and, a, you know, honor to that, too. So that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm coming from. But, hey, before we get any, any further, I've got to say this. Now, if you're listening on audio, you can't see it. So I'm going to encourage you to jump over to the video channel when we get this thing posted. Jamie has this awesome beard, and I know it's his logo. It's his trademark. He's got it in his posters in the in the on the wall behind him. And me being uh, a Houston boy, we have a little garage band down here known as ZZ Top. You got the whole Billy Gibbons thing going on, man. Oh man! You. Oh man! Yeah, I was just I, I love ZZ Top. Absolutely love him. And I, I can't believe, as of the time of this recording, last week was Dusty's one year anniversary since he. Uh, passed away but but yeah it is i i love it man <laughs> it's easy top and it's right yeah. i i can't help it i just i love the beard <laughs> yeah. well frank beard their drummer actually lives about a mile from me he's got a big property he's got like 40 acres down the Jeez. road here on the right on the edge of my neighborhood and uh he's a great guy we always see him driving around on golf carts he, oh, he's an avid gosh. golfer that's a little trivia point but people don't know isn't it ironic the guy named beard is the guy without the beard yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> so uh but anyway i digress so <laughs> so let's talk about this this business that you do have tell us about bottleneck and and what that's all about well the name came from a good friend of mine mark hafner Emmy Award winning uh, audio producer. The guy is absolutely amazing, but he has a knack for, you know, words and and how words are used. And, uh, you know, he said, Jamie, you're the bottleneck. You're the reason that this thing isn't doing any well. And I said, bottleneck, <gasps> that's a great name. And uh, that's how bottleneck was born. And I hear that all the time when I talk to people, they're like, what a great name. Yes, bottleneck, that's it. Because so many of us as entrepreneurs, it's our baby. This this thing that we created, this business, this love, this passion project, uh, if you will, it's 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 so hard to. I mean, I liken it to 
the you know seeing your kid go off to kindergarten for the first time or or standing at the bus and seeing them hop on that bus for the first time like uh you know someone else is going to take care of my baby and uh a lot of us need to get out of our own way um we need to grow up uh life changes life happens and we need to stop focusing on the wrong things and focus on what we do best like, what was the original reason we got into this thing? You know, what are we really trying to do here? Yeah. And a lot of us get bogged down with these details. And that was me. I didn't want to delegate checking my emails. I didn't want to delegate, you know, looking at all the, you know, I hated doing this, by the way, too. I hated it. It was a bane of my existence. But, you know, making sure that our numbers are there and looking, making, paying all the bills and doing all. I didn't want anybody else seeing my credit cards or my operating expense and my, you know, I didn't want anybody seeing that stuff. No, that's me. And when that clicked finally for me, my entire world changed. And I want to see, I want to see other people gain that experience and, and see through them um, what a difference life can really be when you really start doing the things that you're really passionate about. And I call it the 75-25 rule or 75% of the things you do in your world, you absolutely love. I don't believe in work-life balance, only life balance. And I, I, everything is together. If you do 75% of the time, the things that you love, that makes that 25% of the suck, the mud, the drench, the stink, the nastiness. You have something you say, as soon as I finish this, I'm going back to something that I love. And I know this has to be done. And if you can break it up with that kind of mentality, life really changes. And I'll say one thing before um, I toss it back over that I think is really important because um, I've told people this story before, but when I first got into this business, I was in a mastermind group and they said, Jamie, how are you getting all these people? They're, they're amazing. And I said, oh, here, you know, here's one. Uh, oh my gosh, you got to turn this into a business. I said, I do. We started talking about it. Okay, we did a little research. Wow, I'm going to make a lot of money. That's what I'm thinking. I'm going to make a lot of money. Um, and it hit me about a year and a half later when I got a call from a, a client who had been with us just for 90 days, by the way. Called me on a Saturday and I was like, what the heck are you doing? I almost didn't answer the phone. But I, what are you calling? You're, that's the reason you got an assistant so you didn't work. Well, actually, I'm calling to let you know this is the first Saturday I've taken off in a year. Thank you. Oh, well. The assistant has done so much for me. I'm sitting on my front porch with my wife and my kid, and I'm having a blast. And I said, oh, my gosh, congratulations. What are you doing today? He goes, well, tonight we're going to go to dinner and a movie. And I said, oh, my gosh. And that's what made me think of what I call the ripple effect. Because what I want to be able to do is powerfully impact other business leaders through the assistant world, we call them distant assistants or virtual assistants, so that they can delegate what drains them of energy to someone that really thrives on that, by the way, so that they can focus on doing their best work. And the ripple effect is now they have more time, more energy, more money, where they can go and share that gift with others, other entrepreneurs, i.e. business owners, restaurant owners, movie theater owners. And then right before we were done, after I was applauding him saying, congratulations, his wife pulled the phone away and said, Jamie, thank you for giving me my husband back. It, I actually cried, yeah. <laughs> literally oh, cried at the time. And that changed my whole mindset. I'm not in this. Of course, we need to make money. 
we have 24 families depending on us on our internal team to provide for their families it's not that it's the fact that we actually impact someone's life simply by providing the service that we've done to avail them to do the things that they really want to do that that is the number one reason why I'm so passionate about this entity here. And that's where systems, processes, workflows, culture all come from. Yeah. That's an awesome story. And thanks for sharing that. And it is, it's, um, it, it's really for most of us that I know and that I've worked with and people I've talked to somewhere in the mix of what you're trying to do, you, you are hoping to change people's lives and, and add value, make a difference else. There's no real purpose to it. Yeah. You can go out and make money probably a lot of different ways, but it's, it's that life changing benefit and value that you can deliver to somebody to, to really turn them around and help them out and you you packed a lot into that statement. And I want to I want to kind of break it down. There there are so many things. Starting with the idea, and and you and I both have this experience. We meet entrepreneurs, like you said. It's it becomes your baby. You've got this idea. You you open the doors. You stand this thing up, and you get it going. But it's not long usually before it becomes a real burden. You're just consumed by it every waking moment. My, my wife was reminding me the other day, there was a chapter in our life together, and God love her, she actually joined me in my last big venture where I had a big operation, I had 35 employees, and she was working side by side with me, and, and as husband and wife teams go rarely well, usually there's way too much friction that gets generated in that situation. We didn't. She and I worked very well together. However, what she reminded me about was the fact that we brought it home with us. We would talk about it during dinner. We'd talk about it in the evening, you know, trying to break away, maybe take a pause and watch a TV show or something or a movie. But we'd end up talking about it and we'd, we'd, we'd put our heads on the pillow talking about the dang business. And, you know, should we, should we hire so-and-so? Should we fire so-and-so? You know, what do we need to do? This customer's giving us a, a, a problem. You know, what are we going to do about this? And, oh, my God, what's next? And do we have enough cash to make payroll tomorrow? You know, where, what are we doing? And uh, it's just all-consuming. So your point, and I want to reinforce it, it's finding that breakaway opportunity. And as the old saying goes, and I – I don't like repeating it, but I can't avoid it because it does mean so much. Stop working in the business, but start working on the business. Yeah. I have a love-hate thing with that phrase. I don't know why. I, there's something about it. I think it's cheesy, but yet it means so much. And uh, it is important. And until people realize what that value of working on the business is, like I'm guessing your guy that called you about to celebrate his Saturday off, he learned how he could work on the business, not in the business. Absolutely. Yep. And you know what? Um, I know exactly for me, I've, I've broken that down too. Um, everybody has to work in their business in the beginning. I, people ask me all the time, when, when do I hire somebody? You start the hiring process day one. And what that means is when you're working in your business, 
you're doing something as if it's the last time you're ever going to do it. This is an extremely powerful sentence. Do something as if it's the last time you're ever going to do it. I learned that from the great Scott Beebe. What that means is you document everything that you're doing from day one, start. If you've already had a business for three years, four years, and you're you're finding, and this is the way you know that you don't have it documented properly. Customers are calling upset, forgetting to email somebody. You didn't dot all your I's and cross your T's on that one contract. Something happened to where you had to visit it again. Thus, my book, quit repeating yourself. Do it one time. And here's what you'll see happen. When you're finally in a position to where you're growing and you can't handle everything and you're overwhelmed and you're laying your head down your pillow with your spouse and you're still talking about business and you can't shut it off. You're missing baseball games for little Johnny or little soccer games for little Susie, whatever that may be. You now have taken everything that's in your brain and written it down or done or, or recorded a video of it. And what this does magically is it sets expectations so that you can delegate things to someone else effectively so that they do the things how you expect them to be done. Now, this is great in the beginning because it's a quicker way to delegate stuff. You know exactly what doesn't give you energy and what does give you energy. So delegate the things that you don't like because you've done something for the last time because you've documented it. But now you get to focus on the other things. And when you're not worrying or stressed out, you're a lot more creative. You think of new ideas and there's stuff going on. Here's the best part about it. This thing that you're delegating to somebody, you have the confidence to delegate because you've already confirmed what it is you want to delegate to them. Guess what's going to happen? They spend all their time on that stuff, not you. Chances of them improving <laughs> those tasks greatly increases. You're getting the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. And, and this is starting to delve into one, another area that you and I talk about offline here. But the idea is creating systems, creating processes that can be repeatable, scalable, and uh, sustainable. And so many small businesses, they've got that great idea and they put a, a, a package together, a product together, or a service together but they don't have it set up to be systematized. And it's like the next one, the next order that comes in, it's like, oh, how did we do that? Did we go here or here? No, we did this. Oops. Okay. Now let's, now we got to rework it. Now we got to get it back. And that is so expensive and so um, problematic uh, running your business that way, where every new transaction is kind of a new deal. But if you, zero in on what your product or service is about and then think about the steps and, and i love the way you described it you know get them documented man there i was as you were describing that i was thinking so many great tools out there mm. uh, e even little video capture things you can do online you can just do zoom. capture <laughs> zoom loom loom <laughs> zoom, uh, you know teams <laughs> there, there's so many ways to you know, crank that thing up and make a recording of what you're doing and, and log the, the six steps you want to do to onboard a client or whatever it may be and, and get that stuff going. And I, I really like the point you made. And, and it's inevitably the aha moment that people get when they really get good at delegating. They discover 
good people they might have hired actually do come up with even better ideas on how things can work. I love that idea. And I agree with you. I see it happen all the time. Just before I got on this call, I was talking with our leadership team. And um, by the way, I don't, I don't write any more processes in this company. The team does. The team also maintains the right to make their own decisions. And I just reinforced that right before this. I said, unless you guys need money, if you're spending money, please, all power to you. Make your decisions. Let's get this thing done. We're talking about a big project we're doing. Just talk amongst yourselves. Get it done. I don't need to be the bottleneck. That's exactly what I said. And the confidence I have in them is so exceedingly powerful. It's not even funny. They basically run the organization. That's what they do. And they're really flipping good at it. But in the beginning, I did the first workflow. I wrote down the first six-step process. I did the first video on this is how I check my email. Um, I even documented how I set up my email on our old server. Now we use Google Workspace, so it's a different thing. But I didn't think I was going to need more emails at the time when I started. It was just me. So why would I document that? Well, out of habit, I documented that because if and when I ever needed to, maybe in six months, maybe I thought, well, maybe I'll come up with a, you know, info at instead of a Jamie at or something like that. So I'm going to document this process. And I had it. And I just put it in my Dropbox with a little folder called Workflow Library. And then in that is all the different things that I had. And that was the beginning of it. It wasn't very much, but that was the beginning. And because of that, I was able to effectively hire somebody, delegate out, this person, who was my personal assistant at the time, wasn't my first choice, by the way. Two weeks later, I went crawling back to her, asking her, please come to work. Um, but she started off my personal assistant. A year and a half later, got pro promoted to project uh, manager. Now she's our director of operations. This in, in, in just over almost four years now. Now, I think next month will be four years. But now she's our director of operations. And now she delegates all of that to the other 23 team members. And and everyone, I say everybody has the right to make their own decision. It's not just pie in the sky decision. They ask themselves three questions. Number one, is it good for the company? Number two, is it good for the team? And number three, and only then, is it good for the clients? And the reason why it's in this order is because if the company, anybody in the company makes a decision that affects negatively the culture or the financial capabilities within the organization, that hurts our team. And if our team members are hurt and they're not able to function properly, maybe they're worried about maybe getting their next paycheck. Well, guess what? They're going to be so worried about that. How in the world can I count on them to take care of our clients? Everybody has a leadership role. While we have an hierarchy and an org chart, it's linear. Everybody can voice up. And what that's done as far as our culture, nobody rolls their eyes when somebody comes up with an idea. We sing birthdays every chance we can get for everybody's birthdays. And it's the worst singing you can possibly imagine. But you know what happens? There's not one person without a smile. So it, it lets people know that, oh my gosh, Jamie cares what I think. Other people in the organization care what each other thinks. I have a voice. That is so extremely popular or powerful that 
we instill that in our bottleneck academy for all of our assistants that graduate because we work with our clients as well to let them know how to become i've hired over a thousand people in 16 years that's a lot of freaking experience more than most i would say and for us to impart that kind of education and experience on our clients to support them to become even better leaders this isn't about hiring a, a virtual assistant that's transactional based in nature. You're gonna ask them to do something, they're gonna do it, you're gonna pay them money. This is intimate based in nature. This is us learning vision, mission. We believe in you, we've got your back. What's your tone? What's your voice? We wanna do the same things you're doing because we love what you do and what you stand for. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Powerful, powerful stuff, Jamie. And I tell you what, it's time to take a short break, but I, I love this um, path we're on here. And when we come back, we're, we're going to talk more about this culture aspect that you're you're hitting on here. It's, it's a really critical part for any business owners. So hang with us. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. Doug Thorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everybody, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. And my guest today is Jamie Jay. We've been talking about uh, building the right kind of culture and owners and founders of small business, making a really critical mental shift in the way you want to look at your business that can help get you out of the weeds and into a, a framework of much better success. When, when we came into the break, we we're actually talking about some of the principles that Jamie's used with his own company to empower people, give everybody some absolute delegation of authority. But as you were describing all that, Jamie, the thing that I was thinking about was what you're really hitting on is the power of culture coming to life. It's one thing for an owner to sit in the chair and look at the wall and say, I want my company to be like this. I want us to be well-respected. I want us to be well-revered by our customers. I want to provide all this great earth-shattering, amazing service to my customers. But if you don't translate that into actionable steps that your people, your team can do and understand and buy into, you got nothing. You, you might have a lot of work, but you don't have a culture and you don't necessarily have a brand. And I did a spot not long ago. I was talking about, you know, big Fortune 500 type companies that spend millions and millions of dollars trying to rebrand themselves. And, you know, they may come up with a new logo, a new mission statement, a new tagline, a new message about what they are. And, you know, I, I'm facetiously thinking new Coca-Cola, you know, what, well, if you don't do anything with the people on your team to embrace that and, and let them know what that really is about and how they can be a part of delivering that, it's going to fall. It, that whole brand idea is going to be dead on arrival. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And yes, I, I can't agree with that anymore. 
And I think it's, you have to be so passionate about what it is you're doing that you need to hold into account your convictions like nobody else. You need to be steadfast in your belief. Um, this is really well represented in politics. You have one side, you have another side. Now I'm not gonna bring up politics. I'm just trying to demonstrate the belief system or the values that each one of these parties have. I know there's more, but I'm trying to give by example. Now, if I think and believe and dream of something, other people are not gonna necessarily agree with my beliefs and my dreams and, and all of that. You know, I love riding a Harley Davidson. I know there's people out there in the world say, you better not hop on a motorcycle. That's freaking crazy. Those guys are nuts, right? Uh, so so there's different beliefs, but that's, that's part of my passion in life. I love doing that. I also play hockey. Guess what? People think hockey is a violent sport, right? Um, but also there's, there's so many things. But if I don't stand fast in my beliefs and thoroughly go after what I want to do, how in the world is any of the people driving the other Conestoga wagons going to circle around the campfire there at night with that same in, uh, energy and, and ambition and, and, and just like, oh, we love this. Now, is that everybody? Of course not. But not only the people that you work with, but in that same circle in the wagons are your clients and your vendors and your friends and your family. We all, we all know how family is, right? We don't get along with our own family, but there are certain family members we like to hang out more than others, I would imagine. At least in my case, I should speak for myself. It's the same thing. That's why I don't believe in work life. I believe in life. Yeah. So go ahead. <clears throat> Well, no, I, I, I agree with you. And, and part of what I'm thinking about is back to the owner, founder of a business. You know, you, you create this passion, you create this energy and zeal. And, you know, in his book about traction, Gino Wickman talks about the roles that people play in a business. And often the founder needs to position themselves to stay in that visionary role, that that guy that's waving the flag saying here's true north here's where we're going here's what we're going to be about and guess what the visionary is not necessarily the chief operating officer or the chief executive officer because guess what chief executive means execute and go get it done well maybe the founder ultimately is not the guy to go get it done the, the feeding the vision, maintaining the standard, waving the flag in the gap. You know, I'm thinking about, um, what's his name in The Patriot, the, the actor that, uh, yeah, oh, uh, 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 oh goodness. Mel. Mel Gibson, there you go. Mel Thank Gibson. you. Yeah, you know, waving the flag in the gap. You know, there was a breach in the line and he said, guys, here we are, rally over here. That's what that visionary role does. And that's what a lot of ultimate entrepreneurs need to be about is maintaining that vision and there's absolutely nothing wrong in that. And I'm, what I'm hearing in is the, everything you're describing about how you've done your business. That's what you're doing. You're that guy. And you've got people now that are working day to day in the transactions, in the details, making it happen. But, um, you, you're the standard bearer. You, you had the team meeting and said, guys, if you got to make a decision, go do it. Here's, just just remember these three things and that's all you got to have and I, you got my blessing go for it absolutely yep you, you know what wagging the flag whatever it is 
my passion is to protect all those that I come in contact with, whether it's a vendor, whether it's a client, or whether it's our team. Do I prefer protecting my team a little bit more than my clients, maybe? Yeah, I'll be honest. I I work with them every day. Nothing uh, wrong with that. Right. They are like an extension of my family. But I will tell you this. I am so dedicated, and I believe my team is so dedicated to the ultimate vision of not helping, because I don't want to deter anybody, but guiding and supporting our clients to become better leaders, um, to grow their companies effectively, that we have not just me supporting, we have all these people supporting us. So to say that wagging wagging that flag, um, being the, the visionary, yes, I am a true visionary. There's two things I'm terrible at. I'm terrible at follow-up, unless I'm reminded to do so, because of my ADD kicks in. And the other thing is I'm, I'm not very good at details. I think, I think of, oh my gosh, this is going to be awesome. But I don't necessarily think it all the way through on all the different steps that need to occur. But that's why we have people that are way smarter than me here to tell me that's impossible. Or, okay, it's going to take a little bit longer. Or have you thought about this? Yeah. You know, they challenge me. And I love that. And I think people need to get that. They don't get it yet. They don't. They don't. They don't get it. And and if you if you've been in business three to seven years and you're not making a million bucks a year now, and you want to, that's exactly the reason why. Yeah. You don't have the systems and you don't have the trust. And if you can't get the trust of someone else, how in the world do you think they're going to feel? They're going right. to feel like crap, and they're not going to work hard. Right. Right. No, I agree. I, I agree with you totally. And on that note, let me let me hit on uh, it. It was a promise I made at the start of the show. I said, if if uh, you're an entrepreneur out there listening to this and, and you're you're feeling a little hamstrung, a little overwhelmed and you haven't figured out that hiring of some help. Let's let's talk about the brass tacks of of what it means to hire a distant assistant or a virtual assistant. Just yeah, give us a, a quick overview of of how that works for people. Sure. Um, as we talked about, overwhelm is a big deal right now. Um, usually, when people approach us, they're already overwhelmed. They're already super busy. They've been in business three to seven years. We work with a lot of business leaders, a lot of agency owners um, that are just you know, we talked to one a marketing agency owner and she goes, I'm so excited. I'm going to speak in an event next week. I'm so scared because when I get back from the event, I've got two weeks of catch up to do. And I said, oh man, you can't live life like that. But those are the people that usually come to us. That's why I say it's always good to start preparing day one. So those of you that are listening to this episode, start preparing, start documenting your things, do something as if it's the last time you're ever going to do it. And then Come talk to Bottleneck or somebody that is uh, uh, offers the services. And the, here's the reason why. It's called the 10% rule. I truly believe in my heart of hearts, every single organization, small business, medium-sized business, whatever, should have a minimum of 10% of their team working remotely. Studies have shown, and I'm happy to point them out if anybody wants to ask me, that you can still be highly productive and have a team member thrive in three key positions, actually it's five, but we're offering three right now, 
personal assistant project coordinator and customer service representative. There's also a, a SEO or tech assistant. And then there's also bookkeeper that's been proven to thrive in a remote environment and reduce your overhead at the same time so you can scale your business effectively. Um, and, and what happens is we have bottleneck, we have a bottleneck academy, they go through training, they go through third certification, they learn the distant assistant way, which is different than a virtual assistant. And then we vet them, we background checks, we check references, and we, we go through all of that time consuming process and deliver to you three well-qualified candidates and you get to choose which one you want. Uh, and what works out here is tons of savings. You, When you hire somebody, we have a 60-day onboarding plan. First month, first 30 days is phase one. That's training. And then they actually work, but half an hour to an hour a day, you train with them. You kind of brain dump with them. Phase two, the next 30 days, that's documentation. This is where we are completely different than anybody else in the world. We call it our profit our process improvement program. And what we do is on day 61, or the first work day after your 60 days has, has been executed, your assistant has documented all those processes for you, sent them to my internal design team. We build a workflow manual for you, your branding, everything. It's your asset. It jump links for the page of contents, table of contents, and we send that to you. That is now your asset. Now you have a forum for documenting every single thing else you want in your entire business, but all the roles that you've delegated go there. Now that's what we offer because that's super time consuming. And guess what this has done? In as little as 60 days, you've completely replaced yourself with somebody who's confident and you have the confidence to delegate even more responsibility because they're doing the things that they've already confirmed with you is the right way to do them that you would be doing them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how do you address the the person that wants all of that, but, but kind of on a fractional basis, say that they don't really want to hire the 40 hour person a week. They, they, they say, well, if I can get help for 10, 15, 20 hours a week, I'll be good. We do part-time. Uh, but typically this is the way we explain it. And, and it, it, a lot of people that we hire are looking for full-time work. They'll start out part-time, but they're hoping they get full-time, but then they might go with someone else to take up. So they have full-time work, but guess what happens if this other person says, Hey, will you come work for us for full-time? They're going to say, yes, we document the processes. So that way somebody else can come in and kind of take over, but but I would hate if I really fell in love with someone and, and we were jamming back and forth, but they really, they maybe, you know, in one instance, one of our team members, she just gave birth last month, right? Uh, you know, I, I want to be able to be there and protect them and, and all, but what if they leave? Like they got to go and make more money because now they have a family. Yeah, well, yeah. I've got her full time. She's not going anywhere. I paid for her maternity leave. She's not missing anything because she's that well valued, Right. So you run the risk of them going somewhere else. Um, even though you have an extremely good culture, there is some room in there to where, you know, hey, they want full-time work. Not, not even that, but especially our team members from the Philippines, they love working. Did you know, this is a, this is, this is a fun fact, when a Filipino gets a full-time job with an American company, the family throws a party for them usually. Hmm. This is something, uh, especially when they, you know, 
get with a, oh my gosh, I have a personal assistant to the entrepreneur, or the CEO of this organization. Well, hey, let's have a party. It's pretty dang cool. Um, and so that means there's going to be less turnover. They don't want to lose that job. They don't want to look bad in front of their family. They want to work really hard and they want to make sure they're so polite, you know, and it's almost sometimes to their detriment that they're too polite sometimes. So we do work with them in the academy and stuff on how to be a little more assertive. But at the same time, this is pretty magical. Can you imagine someone in the U.S. getting a job and their family throwing a party for them and congratulating? Mm -hmm. There's there's no parties for entrepreneurs, you know, unless it's a 35 year old son that's been laying on the mom and dad's couch for <laughs> 10 years. They'll they'll throw a party for that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> well, Jamie, I'll tell you what, I think we're about up on our time slot here, man. This has been so awesome. I, it's just been a joy talking to you. And uh, I, I've got a hunch we, we, we may have to do a, a second part of this down the road would uh would love to keep keep talking through these things such great inspiration and uh tell everybody the best way to get a hold of you if they're looking uh i would go to uh, bottleneck uh dot online uh we're on the social um you can if you want um, i'm happy to send out if, if somebody wants a copy of a book happy to send it to you um, it's called quit repeating yourself. You can go learn more by going to quit repeating yourself.com. And basically I tell the, a couple different stories in there, but the quit repeating yourself, I basically share the insights of how we built bottleneck in quit repeating yourself. Um, I also share some of the, uh, trials and tribulations that I had to overcome. Um, and it's just an, uh, it's a quick two hour read. It's a breeze, uh, to get through it, but, I'm, I'm hearing a bunch of good feedback. People are picking up a nugget here or there. That's really helped them out. So if that's of any assistance, uh, by all means. Sounds I mean, great. 99 cents for a digital copy. I mean, it's nothing. Good stuff. Yeah. Quit repeating yourself. Uh, not only a good book, but uh, valuable recommendation from a coaching standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> was, I got to send you a copy. To, I, got, I, will, I will send you a copy. Yeah, uh, no worries. Uh, it's all good. Jamie, again, man, thank you for being on here. <clears throat> Excuse me, folks. Uh, I want to remind everybody, we do have the video of this over on uh, YouTube, a channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. And I've got some announcements over there that I'd encourage you to look at. We're um, on my side, we're rolling out a program called Game Changer. It is a small business blueprint for really um, getting past that sticking point. I call it the invisible wall. When um, an owner kind of hits a plateau, can't seem to figure out how to scale past a certain level, there's inevitably an invisible wall that you need to move from founder to CEO. And a lot of the ways you can do that, we've talked about today in this episode, but there's a lot more behind that as well. So be on the watch for uh, some of the social media announcements and things we've got coming out about Game Changer. We'll look forward to uh, sharing again on another episode. Hang with us and uh, we'll be back again soon. For now, we're going to say goodbye. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.